Welcome once again to the Talking Skiing Podcast. This is episode five, and this time around, we catch up with professional telemark skier Danny Walton. We talk with Danny about how he made his way to the mountains, running the Sun Valley Tele Series, meeting and skiing with Glenn Plake, starting Marley in the Mountains, the first photo of him to appear in a magazine, his latest endeavor to help up and coming athletes get sponsorships, and his new passion, stand up paddleboarding. As always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe and tell all your friends about the Talking Skiing Podcast. Hey, let's get into it with Danny Walton. How you doing, Danny? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Lenny. Yeah, Danny, thanks for coming on the Talking Skiing Podcast. Hey, we'll talk about your newest endeavor, Ascend Coaching for Athletes, in just a few. But I uh, wanted to first talk a little bit about where you grew up. Uh, you actually uh, grew up around the Cleveland area, right? Yeah, just on the east side of Cleveland where we had lots of snow, but not a lot of vertical. I mean, there wasn't really <laughs> ski resorts there, were there, or ski areas? You know, there's a couple mom-and-pop ones that have a couple hundred vertical feet, but then we mostly would, you know, as you get older, go uh, to Holiday Valley, which is in Ellicottville, New York, and it's kind of like a dollar mountain, but would have like 50 runs on it. Oh, wow. Okay. So big, wide uh, expanse of, of a hill that yep. they just put uh, runs wherever they could. Yeah. Awesome. And how far away was that from your place? About two and a half hours. Oh, okay. So yeah, you had to be pretty dedicated then if you're going to travel two, two and a half hours each time you wanted to go ski. Yeah, I was really lucky. A good old friend of mine, Tony Mobby and ID Mobby, they, uh, their family had a place up there. So we spent lots of weekends up there and totally made the most of it. Living our little powder magazine fantasies, watching the early Greg Stump movies during this time after our, our session skiing. Good, good fond memories. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everyone that grew up, were about the same age. You know, the Greg Stump movies uh, and those sort of movies. And, and if you could get your hand, they weren't, I guess they were on, at that point, probably VHS, if you could find them or an old Warren Miller movie or something like that and just play those things until until they wore out and, and uh, knew just about every line that everybody said and, and watched the same sequences over and over again. A little different than, than now where you can pop on YouTube and, and watch endless ski videos. It was whatever you had, you watched over and over and over again. Absolutely. I, I thousand probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've still got a couple of VHSs somewhere in a box that I should uh, revive. But like I said, now you can find them just about everywhere. So, so you're kind of known as a, a big tele skier around uh, the Sun Valley area for sure. And, and have been in magazines and, and videos and things like that. Did you start tele skiing or did you start out as an alpine skier? Well, it was a combination of both. I would go cross-country skiing most days after school, and I would go alpine skiing on the weekends. But where I'd go cross-country was real hilly, so that's where I taught myself how to telly. Oh, okay. On the cross-country gear or on actual telly gear? Yeah, on, on classic cross-country gear. Old three-pin, 75-millimeter track, no wax. Oh, wow. And for anybody that's tried, even just... Cross-country skiing in general is hard enough to balance and, and stay upright, let alone coming down hills and, and practicing telly turns on it. Yeah, it was just so much fun. And um, probably, I guess when I was like 18, that's when I got my first kind of telly setup, which was leather boots and a real skinny car who ski with metal edges. And, um, you know, I, I, I vividly remember my first going night skiing at Holiday Valley. And it was dumping and uh, 
it was pretty, pretty awesome. And I was hooked. How long before you ended up uh, moving West? I moved to Sun Valley when I was 25. Okay. So you had some years there, college and whatnot, and probably even a few years after college before you made the move, right? Yeah. You know, I, I came out here a couple different times to visit and um, then it was a huge spring and I was out here for a couple weeks and I was like, see you next season. And uh, that was it, huh? That's all it took? Yeah. Then then the fall of 97, I moved out here. Awesome. And uh, haven't left, huh? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> been, been there ever since and uh, now raising a family in, in the uh, Sun Valley area, huh? Yeah. We have a wife and two daughters, uh, four and a half year old Maeve and almost three year old uh, Roisin. And uh, we actually moved down to Bellevue, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, about 12 to 15 miles just south of uh, the Sun Valley ski area there. Yeah, I was pretty spoiled living within a mile of the lifts for a couple decades. But, you know, um, I'm 15 miles, but still I'm, I'm closer than probably 95% of the world to the slopes. So Sure. And you actually just got done skiing this morning, right? Yeah, I'm still, still in my gear. Just just walked in. And, uh, and tell me a little bit, once you moved to the Sun Valley area and really, I would imagine, you know, able to ski just about every single day and make skiing really a way of life. Uh, how, how long did it take skiing just about every day before you kind of started getting noticed as a teleskier and, and able to get into a magazine or two or even, even a photo shoot or two? I guess it was maybe like five or six years. At first, I still alpined a little bit because that's how I got my ski pass. So I, I taught for the Sun Valley Ski School. I moved out with cross country and tele skis and got a job teaching Alpine. And so I did that for a few years, but they always wanted me on Alpine. And then I was just kind of, that, that, that became the only time I ever Alpine was when I taught. And then I just kind of just went full time. And then after going full time tele for a couple of years, Baldy just has so many phenomenal skiers. Every day I would have basically world-class people the chase, you know, friends, friends of ours, if you want to, if you want to hang, you want to keep up, you, you figure out a way. All of a sudden now I look back and I've a couple thousand days up there and, um, I've chased the best. Yeah. I think something you take for, for granted when you're skiing around the Sun Valley area is just how many good skiers there are. And because the way the mountain sets up, either you keep up or, or you don't. People wait for you here and there, but on a good day, you got to figure out how to keep up or you're going to be skiing by yourself or, or, or with some other people uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So you just learn different tricks for efficiency by being telly and just kind of getting that balance and strength and just recoveries. And yeah, it's, yeah, I think I think strength is a a, a big big uh, part of it because uh, once you ski at Sun Valley for a while and ski every day, I mean you get strong, especially tele skiing. Yeah, I, I seem to remember some days uh, with you out there free in the heel. Yeah, I try, I try. <laughs> uh, I was never very good at it. I've I've locked the heel down since, but uh, it was fun. Uh, I came out for a couple of Hawaiian national uh, races back in the day. And that's something that you had a, a big part in. Uh, you were part of the, uh, I guess, headed up the Sun Valley Tele Series for a number of years, right, Danny? Yeah, I, I did that for over a decade. And uh, yeah, it was a super positive experience and got me out there meeting a lot of different folks in town. And just that's when Telemark skiing was really booming. Sales were really high. 
back then it consisted of a majority of the backcountry skiers. If you wanted to go in the backcountry, you had a tele set up. And so um, we would just bring out all these crazy kooks once a month to come ski and try to make it super fun and a really community involvement. And we'd have phenomenal industry support. And being a ski bum, I tried to make it like the best bang for the buck in the valley. So you could come, race, get a bunch of drinks, win some good swag, and meet a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think the skiing was kind of secondary to the the parties that were thrown afterwards and, and even uh, sort of during the events as well. Oh, yeah, man. It was, we used to give away so much stuff because we had so much support. I remember I had to bring you in because I'd lose my voice at every race and you would handle all the raffles and crush it. Yeah, yeah, I did get uh, that. I guess that was sort of how I got involved. I had a PA system and uh, would do the giveaways and whatnot. And that was that was super fun. It was a fun way to to get involved and 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 get up there on some tele skis as well. Uh, you actually had Glenn Plake show up at, uh, at one of the events. How, how did that come about? Man, that was an amazing experience. That's when the RSN TV network was available, the Resort Sports Network. He used to have a TV show that used to air during op prey time every day. And he'd go out and go to these different events. And this is when Sun Valley wasn't as proactive on kind of getting the word out. And so we reached out and told him about the Hawaiian Nationals, which was the oldest, uh, not the oldest race. The Sun Valley Telemark Series at the time was the oldest continuous run series in the country. And at the time, I think it might have been the 30th year. So we invited Glenn to come out and he was amazing. He was like, Telly gear? I don't have Telly gear, but I want to go. Do you got any? I was like, what size shoe are you? And so I had an extra pair of boots for him, you know, perfect. And then uh, I had a pair of skis for him and he was all about it and was just, a, it was, it was a really amazing to meet him. And it was an amazing experience. Sure. I mean, I was there for that. And uh, I mean, he he definitely did not disappoint. And I think he brought out maybe the most, I could be wrong, but maybe the most people uh, ever for that uh, Hawaiian Nationals race. I think there was maybe like 225 participants. And one thing that he initiated was the human slalom. So we used to have like the tele parade. And then he was like, he kind of like, hey guys, why don't we kind of set up the human slalom? And so that became a fixture addition after him. Basically, people, it's uh, you ski around people all the way down the mountain, and it's just like a moving kind of rotating. Yeah, it's. I've never seen a human slalom before. First off, you need a few people. I mean, if you've got the more the merrier on that. And then, if I remember right, I think it came uh, down the Warm Spring side of of the mountain there at Sun Valley and. Uh, you know, you start off with maybe, uh, you know, 10, 20 people, you ski through them all, and then it just keeps moving. So if you're the last one, then you ski down and, and get back in line until, until you hit the bottom of the, the run. Oh, yeah, you're burning it. You're making tons of turns because how the spacing is. So you're making short turns, and everybody has different styles on. And it was like a ski bum spectacular with everybody dressed up. And uh, it was it was it was good laughs. Sure, those were good times for sure. Hey, a lot of people do know you from the Sun Valley Telly series, but uh, also a lot of people know you from the Marley in the Mountains that you started up uh, a while back and, and ran for a number of years. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. 
Yes, I. That was always a great little adventures. You know, we called it the greatest show on snow because originally they were all in the winter and it was celebrated in February, which is Bob Barley's birthday month. And there would be celebrations all over the world happening. So I brought the first one into Idaho. Used to bring actual reggae acts, which are known for mostly for kind of warmer weather, beach uh, type of vibes into the mountains in the middle of February. And uh, I remember some of those times it was maybe 10 degrees or something like that when these guys would get up to perform. Was it tough to, to convince them to come to the mountains to, to play? At first, I think they were kind of a little skeptical. But then once they got the warm like embrace of the valley and just how unique it was, and we had heaters on the stage, and when they'd look out and it'd be like 10 degrees, and there'd be big bonfires, and there'd be a thousand people, they brought it. They felt like they needed to send it because here they are in the middle of Idaho, and they never thought they would ever come to Idaho, but yet everybody was so positive and kind. They, they absolutely loved it. Sure. And any, any, uh, any possibility of reviving that festival, or, or, is, or have you kind of moved on to some other things? I've kind of moved on, but if the right opportunity presented itself, I love reggae music and I love sharing, sharing that love with others. And it's nice to look back at all the phenomenal artists that came through and then run into people and they share their, their stories like, Hey man, I didn't, I never knew anything about reggae, but I went to that and man, wow, you've opened up the doors. So appreciate that. Yeah. And you actually, when you came into to Sun Valley and, and moved to Sun Valley, you know, it's a small town and and there probably was already a couple Dannys in town. And uh, you kind of ended up with the nickname of uh, Irie, which is stuck. And a lot of people probably still call you that uh, to this day. Uh, how did that nickname come about? Oh, my original ski hat was a Rasta hat before I used to wear a helmet. And so people would see it and they'd be like, Irie. And, you know, Irie is the highest, most positive vibration. And so uh, you kind of tied that in. And then when I had a helmet, I had an Arlen flag and it is I-R-E. So it kind of tied into the both my roots of uh, Irish and Rasta. That's perfect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it definitely has stuck through the years, huh? Aaron Goja. <laughs> yeah, kind of get back to skiing here a little bit. I mean, people may or may not know, but uh, you've been on, you know, everything from from what, pretty much, you know, brochures for, for Sun Valley to, to being in Telemark magazines and things like that. Tell me about the, the first photo shoot and the, and the first time, you know, you saw yourself in a magazine or, or on a cover of a, a brochure. Well, I used to ride a bike year round and I had studded tires in a ski rack and I got a picture published and it was on the cover of the Mountain Gazette and I was riding, riding my bike and that just kind of opened up a couple doors and then I kind of, I, I met uh, Carl Weatherly and we became buddies and, and skied a lot. And he was a, a Getty photographer and got his images out to everyone. And then all of a sudden the next year, you know, I was on the, the table of contents of Ski Magazine. And then the next year, Skiing Magazine, then Backcountry Magazine. Then I started working with other photographers. And then Carl and I had, um, the ads for the Sun Valley Company, I think it was 2006. And then I ended up doing it again in 2014, where I had all those ads, or 15, right? Yeah, 15. It just kind of opened, 
opened the doors to different companies and all of a sudden just lots lots of press you know ads ads for k2 rosinal gentleman jack whiskey limelight hotels some others uh yeah yeah i mean it's, it's pretty pretty <laughs> neat that, and you know a lot of people i just think you know just being in the right place right time is enough but someone like yourself danny i mean you've got to actually kind of work to to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time and and it's not as not as easy as it seems where someone snaps a couple shots of you and next thing you know you're in the magazines i mean it, it's it's almost like a job right to to get out there and and make sure that they call you when they need a i guess a ski model so to speak yeah you know you got to just take the time you know it might it might be a little slower process but you know i've been blessed to ski a lot of powder so i can be patient on some of those moments if i know it's going to kind of lead to something especially if i'm I'm working with different companies and that's kind of something they look for in, in return. So um, kind of helping building awareness for them by getting out there and doing some of those little things, but being proactive really helped. Yeah. Because I mean, it does take some proactive, uh, you know, the, the, for some people, I'm sure they just get the calls based on who they are and whatnot. But for someone like yourself, who's had some success as being a sponsored skier, but doesn't necessarily have the, uh, the big giant movie parts and, and uh, you know, winning, winning Olympic medals and things of that nature. Uh, you got to work for it a little bit, huh? Oh, yeah. But um, still, still very rewarding for something I, you know, what I love to do most. And it's, it was fun to be recognized for that. Yeah. And are, are you still, uh, you know, getting some sponsorships and, and doing some uh, photo shoots these days? You know, not as many photo shoots, but I'm um, pretty psyched to be with a couple new companies. I'll be um, skiing with Kessley, Kessley Skis this year. So that's, that's uh, I'm really excited about that. Those will be arriving any day now. And Flylo for my outerwear. Oh, perfect. And they're, they're kind of known as a, a backcountry uh, telemark brand, huh? Yeah, I've watched them grow right from the beginning. I think I was the first person to bring their gear into the valley as a prize sponsor for the Tele series. So I've kind of known them all through these years and it's been really amazing to watch how they grow. And it's just really core bomber mountain kid stuff. It's, 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 it's bomber. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the new thing that you started up. I know you've had a million different jobs over the years. Uh, we were chatting about that before we kind of got started here. Uh, going with the podcast uh, today, but doing a little bit of everything, whatever it takes to stay in the mountains. But being a little older and wiser now, uh, Danny, uh, you started up a, a new company that can help you know some some up and comers uh, perhaps get some sponsorships and, and get recognized, right? Yeah. So I just started a new company called Ascend Coaching for Athletes, and what it is is it helps. It's a sponsor, a four month sponsorship program, which goes through all the details that top tier athletes are looking for helping them try to find their support that they need to further their careers. So I did a test run with a couple athletes this summer. I have another business where I refurnish furniture, tweak your teak. And uh, one of my employees is a, a gold team Nordic world cup skier, uh, cross country skier. And his name is Sam Woods. And he was basically one of the the number two skier in the East. And while we were working, he started asking me different questions about how do you do this? Or how do you come about that? Or, you know, what, what do you recommend for this? Cause I kind of knew a little bit of my background 
So I basically put together the four-month program and um, talks about what sponsors to look for, how to find the right person to approach, how to write the proposals, how to present yourself to them, how to build yourself as a brand, social media experts. And then we meet once a week. Then once a month, we tie in an industry expert. So I've assembled a phenomenal powerhouse group of industry people so they can discuss whatever questions they have to the top level people. So, Yeah, and you've, you've got some big names that, uh, that you brought in that, that can help out some of these up-and-coming athletes, right? Yes. So for, for the men and the women, for on the women's side, we have McKenna Peterson, old free ride world tour movie veteran from matchstick and warren miller so i've known mckenna for a while so um we were just riding the chair the other day and she commented how neat she thought it was because she didn't have anything like that when she was up and coming and then uh, another gal we have is uh, ingrid backstrom who's an icon from climbing big mountains to skiing big lines to being an awesome mom so we got her and then a Casey Rakowski, so she's a, a global athlete branding expert and um, manages 48 athletes. And she comes from the stand-up paddleboard world. And Mike Hattrip, Griffin Post, Crazy Carl, Ted Keys helping us out with our kayakers. And he's not only first ascents in kayaking, but also um, an industry person for 25 years. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, just getting the the uh, the people that have been doing it for a long time, the the sponsored athletes and some of the uh, the brand reps and things together all in one place is pretty neat for uh, for some of these up and comers that are looking to get some sponsorships and and make whatever activity, uh, whether it be skiing or, or kayaking or stand up paddleboarding, more of a, a way of life and perhaps be able to to keep that going beyond just you know recreationally and and make a career out of it if possible. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of finding ways of getting support for doing what you love and sharing your unique gifts. Sure. You mentioned there stand-up paddleboarding a little bit, and, and that's something that you're pretty passionate about and, and have gotten in some magazines and in some uh, brochures and, and online and things like that, some recognition of that way as well. How'd you get into to stand-up paddleboarding? Oh, by, by one of your former guests, the legend Buck Cobb. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, Buck introduced you to, to stand-up paddleboarding, and, and you just fell in love with it? Absolutely. So, yeah, he was, he was my instigator. And I used to be so hyper-focused on skiing. It was really great when it came along. And uh, I just love being on the water, all aspects of paddleboarding. So we run whitewater in the spring and then kind of tie in and do a lot of distance stuff in the summer, laps around our beautiful lakes. and now my new love is surfing. So then head over to the coast and sub surf, you know, each summer and take the camper. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great uh, summertime activity. I've got a uh, stand up paddleboard. I think it was just last year and we've taken that all over the place as well. And it is, it is a, a really, really fun uh, activity to do during the summer. And then you're able to tie it in with the photographers, you know, and whatnot and uh, living there in Idaho, there's pretty scenic shots that uh, you've been a part of uh, on your stand up paddleboard. Yeah, you know, been really blessed to work with a lot of amazing photographers, but uh, Ray Gad and John Mancuso 
but Ray and I, especially on the paddleboard and have really kind of, we have, I, I share my vision with him and he just totally executes it. So we've had lots of photo annuals and double spreads and all the different stand-up publications. And, uh, but now I think it's getting so busy in Idaho. We got, we got to stop telling people cause we did too good of a job for a while. <laughs> yeah, that is something. I mean, you're living there in the mountains and, and something that the, with the COVID and, and people working from home and not working quite as much. Uh, I mean, that's something that you've probably really seen over the last, uh, what are we at? Eight, nine months ago or so here now, just an uptick in overall traffic there in the mountains, right? Yeah. The Sawtooth Valley is, uh, was 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 pretty busy you know when when you're used to just driving over the pass as the only car and then all of a sudden you're one of like 40 cars going over it it's it's just really different sure and and bringing it back to to skiing just a little bit uh danny um you know any any big plans here uh for this upcoming uh ski year uh, i know you're you're up on the you know on baldy and, and skiing at sun valley just about every chance you get but uh you know any trips or anything you got in the works here coming up for this year adding more nordic skiing oh nice so when i moved to bellevue a couple of years ago i'm a block away from the bike path and they groom it a few days a week and it's really awesome. So I've been totally into it. I would put the girls either in the backpack or the sled and I'd pull them Nordic skiing. So that kind of setup I explained earlier that I learned how to tele on, that's my current setup. But um, I've, I've got some skate gear coming thanks to my man, Sam Woods, who has a new sponsor now. So I'm getting some of his old skate gear and uh, skating a lot to get in just great shape to kind of return to the back country because I have a little more windows from daddy daycare opening. So um, just really want to set my eyes on some lines in the pioneers. That's where I really want to spend the spring. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's really when that opens up is kind of the springtime uh, for the most part. And uh, yeah, you got to be in some shape because it's, it's a good long haul to some of those uh, lines that you're, uh, you're talking about there in the back country. Yep. So just a bunch of Nordic. We'll just kind of set that all up. Awesome. And Danny, for, for some up and coming athletes, uh, some people that might be listening that, that are thinking about, you know, hey, I, I think I, I've got what it takes. Maybe I can get some, some sponsorships and things like that or, or uh, get in on a, a photo shoot or two to get the name out there. I know things are a little bit different now where everybody has a camera and everybody can kind of put together their own edits and things. But do you have any advice for some people that, that might be uh, thinking about trying to make uh, skiing a career and how they could go about doing it? I know you're, you're one of those that's always been sort of a self-starter and has, has got out there and, and made contacts when you needed to. But uh, any advice for some up-and-comers? Yeah, just make yourself available. Just ski, ski your brains out. And like you said, lots of people have cameras. Be thoughtful on what you're doing. Don't just go up there, but have real good intent on what exactly the shots you want to look for, how you want to edit it, perhaps have the music in your head as you're skiing it, and then just really take the time to edit and kind of put your stamp on it and then do your best to kind of get the word out on it and get get eyes on it. Sure. 
Uh, Danny, hey, uh, thanks for, for jumping on the Talking Skiing podcast with me here today. And if people wanted to find out more about the new uh, program that you started off, uh, how, would they, how would they get a hold of you and, and is, what's the best way to, to reach you? Yeah, so I have a, a great website and it's ascendcoachingforathletes.com. And if you know of any potential athletes that want to go down that path, they can uh, sign up for like a free kind of 15 minute call to see if they would be a good fit. And um, we'd be happy to kind of help them on their journey. Yeah, well, thanks, Danny. Thanks for taking some time and coming on the Talking Skiing podcast here today. Right on. Big ups, Lenny. Hope to make some turns with you this season. Yeah, for sure. All right. Bless. All right, there you go, professional telemark skier Danny Walton joining us on the Talking Skiing Podcast. Again, if you want some more information about his newest program, it's ascendcoachingforathletes.com. Hey, if you like what you hear, make sure that you leave a review and hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Talking Skiing. And again, thanks for listening. We'll do it again next week right here on the Talking Skiing Podcast. <laughs>